You're listening to the Empower to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Dina T, and I'm so excited to take you on a journey through stories of everyday experts as we share the ways we've harnessed the power inside us to improve the quality of our lives and the health of our minds. We're so excited to have you here with us and hope you feel inspired and empowered to heal. Hello, you beautiful souls. Thank you for joining us today. Today's episode is all about hormones and mental health. So if you've been following us for a while, you know that mental health is kind of my niche and the area that I feel most alive in talking about. And something I've discovered in my own journey through my mental health needs and parenthood is the power of hormones. And so I'm super excited because today we have an extremely intelligent and so thoughtful of a guest named Audrey S. Geyer joining us today. She is providing, so she provides a mental health perspective in addition to just like women living their best lives around mental health. So I'm going to share with you a little bit about her bio and introduce her, and then we'll get going on uh, our discussion for today. So Audrey leaves nothing unintentional or uninspired. Audrey Esquire is providing fresh perspectives on women's health, hormones, and what it means to live a balanced life. As a woman health, women's health coach and fertility awareness method educator, she teaches ambitious health conscious women how to become body literate and harness the hormones behind their menstrual cycles, their mood and their energy so that they can achieve their goals without PMS, which I didn't know was possible (laughs) without mood swings and without burnout. She is the person who, if you are busy, if you are a high achieving woman, if you believe in holistic practices, she is your gal to learn how to hack your hormones and fit the, the hormone conscious lifestyle into your busy day. So Audrey, thank you so, so much for joining us today and just gracious, gracing us with your presence and your knowledge. I'm so excited to be here. We had a great time talking last time. And so I'm just really looking forward to being able to share that conversation with your community. Oh my goodness. I feel like this is going to hit home for so many people. I really want to start out with just, can you tie in the understanding of why hormones are so important in our mental health journey and how they impact our health and well-being, how we feel, how we express our emotions, how we want to show up in the world? Yeah. So hormones are molecules, but they are the messengers of our body. And Our hormones make, and the glands that they come from make up our endocrine system and something really cool and important to know about the endocrine system and our hormones is that they interact with every other system in your body with zero exceptions. That's amazing. So that includes your nervous system, which has a lot to do with how you handle mood and stress and how we intake information from our bodies and regulate the emotions that they cause. Um, It interacts with our digestive system, even our integumentary system, our skin that literally holds us in and, you know, every system in our body. So understanding your hormones is a really good way to begin to get a metric of your overall health. 
I think that's fascinating. I never thought of it in that perspective before talking to you that hormones interact with every system in our body. To me, that's mind blowing because I don't think we really generally consider the hormones and how it impacts, like if we're hungry, if we're not hungry, how we're digesting our food, if we're feeling foggy in our brain one day, right? Like if we're tired and overwhelmed, I feel like as a woman, especially I've always really lumped the understanding of hormones only into my menstrual cycle, my, especially my period, right? Like that phase. And I never like brought in the whole universe around it. Yeah. And you know, our menstrual cycles, which is a framework for most of my work and most of what I do, because I work with women's health. Um, you know, our menstrual cycle is not only a full, a full month, sometimes longer than a month, depending on the woman and her unique cycle, but it's also a full body experience. Mm -hmm. We're told that we have a menstrual cycle so that we can procreate. And I know that you're a mother. I desire Mm -hmm. to be a mother in the near future. And I think that's a beautiful thing, but it affects every part of our lives. And so I think it's really empowering to start viewing it as something that comes with us and that we can really understand and use to our advantage, even outside of the context of fertility or sex or motherhood. Mm, I love that. You know, I, I'm aware of different types of hormones, but I never, so people think of adrenaline and they think of cortisol, right? And these are things that are hormones. These are things that like directly impact our body. And those are, I feel like cortisol in in particular stress hormone, right? So that can be a huge, our brains can be bathed in hormone or in cortisol when we are experiencing trauma, when we struggle with PTSD, when we live in a chronic state of stress or fatigue, overwhelm, these like that specific hormone in general has always captivated me, but I never thought of how that integrates and dances with the other hormones in our body so that we can ultimately level it out or bring it down. If that's our main kind of like the, the headliner hormone in our body, when we're experiencing stress or the symptoms of mental illness. Yes. You know, I think that it's become very common advice to tell people to listen to their bodies. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think that's beautiful. I think it's an important concept, but it's also extremely vague, Mm -hmm. especially for those of us that have had trauma or that are particularly particularly busy or are living in a state of stress, many people don't know how to listen to their bodies until their bodies are screaming at them, until their bodies are running on empty. And so a lot of what I do with promoting body literacy for women is I'm reattuning women how to listen to the more subtle cues, because every time you listen to your body, you are actually listening in on the conversation that your hormones are having. Tell me a little bit about like, what can we identify as subtle cues? Um, So I think one real, you know, you brought up um, when you're hungry and you also brought up stress. And I think those are two really cool ways to start playing with it. Um, You know, I know that you know all about the practice of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And so creating a practice of mindfulness where you are checking in with yourself multiple times throughout the day and thinking about 
okay, how am I feeling emotionally? How am I feeling physically? How am I feeling mentally? Checking in with your levels of hunger before you're starving, Mm -hmm. checking in with your emotions before you feel maybe a panic attack coming on, or you really feel agitated by something and beginning to, you know, especially if you are somebody that, um, either tends to swing from, um, you know, maybe overeating to noticing that you're going hours and hours without eating. And then you're just like reaching for the first thing because you really need that. It's not because you're out of control. It's because your hormones are saying, Hey, it's time to eat. And we are going to motivate you to seek out food until Mm -hmm. we do, because we need fuel to run on. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when it comes to your emotions, if you are a woman who's been experiencing anxiety and maybe you're struggling with anxiety attacks or panic attacks, starting to tune into the patterns with your anxiety, noticing those triggers, and maybe noticing um, what happens before you are really in the throes of that anxiety. So I think it, you know, a little bit of it will, will be dependent to what that person wants to work on. Um, but overall applying a practice of mindfulness to that Mm. is how you start, is how you start to tune in. Mm. I think of that as a mom and, uh, being a mom, you can be overstimulated very easily, right? You can be touched out. You can be like too much sound, too much yelling, too much chaos, visually toys everywhere, whatever it is that like, I feel like there's numerous things that can make motherhood overstimulating. And then you add in the thought of like slowing down and becoming mindful of what your body's saying to you that thought in and of itself can feel impossible sometimes, right? It can feel like, how do I, how do I do that when a child's tugging on me or pulling me in one direction, or there's screaming going on in this room, and I'm the only one here that gets to be present? How can we slow ourselves down in a way that we feel like is practical in an overstimulated lifestyle. And I'm sure this is a similar question to what you get for high achieving women who are like, oh my gosh, like I work a bajillion hours a week. I have a lot of demands on me. I need to show up as my best self regularly. Like what are ways that we can allow ourselves or how can we physically slow ourselves down to become attuned to what our body is saying and be able to recognize, okay, like I was just hungry. And if I would have recognized that 15 minutes ago, I wouldn't have lost it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So when I'm working with women who really want to tune into their hunger cues and understand Mm -hmm. their hunger hormones, we use a hunger satiety scale. Mm -hmm. So at level one, that's when you're running on empty. You're maybe even feeling a little bit shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, you're feeling out of focus. Whereas at a level 10, you have eaten so much. You are now stuffed. You feel sick. You can't look at food. So what we start doing is filling in like, what is level two? What is level three? Mm-hmm. If five is neutral, neither hungry or full. And seven is taking a couple extra bites for pleasure, which can definitely be wonderful for your mental health. If you're really enjoying a meal, like how can you then apply that to things like your mood, your level of busyness? Um, you know, can you, 
sit down and spend 10, 15 minutes journaling out what your personal scale looks like, and then spend the next week looking at that scale for how stressed you are, how busy you are, and really identify what is contributing to that. You know, I have a lot of women who I talk about priorities with, and I really believe um, there's an amazing quote. I don't remember who said it. He said, if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any. And I think that was 100% true because the definition of a priority is the condition of being more important than. Not everything can be more important than. So what I'll have women do a lot of times is really claim what are your actual three priorities? What are your time sucks? And then what are things that you genuinely want to do But maybe if you're really honest with yourself, isn't a priority and you should only do if you genuinely have the time, the energy, the resources, the money to do them. So how can you, you know, literally taking the time to write that out and draw a clear line in the sand. And sometimes when that happens, women will say, what if I feel like something should be a priority, but isn't? And usually that gives us an opportunity to talk about the season of their life that they are currently in. Mm. Because sometimes you're in a season of your life where something you genuinely know that something is good for you and you want it to be a priority, but sometimes there is a legitimate reason like having a young child or being in school or maybe you are working extra hard to pay off debt so that next year you can take more, more time off. You know, sometimes you have to name that the priorities you have now are different than the priorities you want in the future so that you can create a bridge and so that you, you know what the gap looks like in between where you are now and where you are, want to be where you want to be. And then instead of getting lost in that, you can create a tangible plan and you know, it feels less scary then. I love that guidance right there, Audrey. I feel like you just helped us understand like, number one, this work isn't going to be reactive, right? It's us truly sitting down and thinking first, prioritizing and understanding what does that truly mean for us? And then the permission for us to take the guilt away from, man, I feel like this needs to be a priority. It's been eating me up that it's not a priority. I've been trying to put it in the priority slot, right? And I fall short every time because something's not jiving right now. That carries so much guilt and shame in it, but you just erased that guilt and shame. And you said, wait a second, let's understand the season of life that we're in, right? Because we, this might become a priority in a different season. We might look at somebody at a neighbor across the street or a friend or somebody we cherish and say, wow, I want to be like you. I want to do this like you do this, but they're in a different season than us. And so we're putting ourselves in a box that we don't belong. I love how you, you shared like that. I feel right there. That's a huge permission to humans in general that the season of your life has just as much value in it to creating your priorities as does your dreams, right? Yes, Mm. absolutely. That's beautiful. 
So when you're thinking about hormones, what are out of like all the work that you've done personally and professionally, what are like the top key things that you feel like impact our hormones the most? So I know we talked a little bit about food, right? Um, but like, what are the other things that really impact our hormones so we can understand um, how we can work with our hormones better? Yeah. So stage of life is going to be the biggest one. Um, I work with women specifically who are in their menstruating years. So women, you know, we, we go through a puberty when you're, when we're young, um, we'll go through that first, that first period, that first cycle, which is called menarche. Mm -hmm. And then we have a cycle, um, that temporarily stops during pregnancy and we'll start again sometime in that postpartum phase. Sometimes that takes a while, especially if a woman is breastfeeding, um, you know, and it also, other than that depends on her unique chemistry. Some women get it back sooner and some women take a little bit longer. Um, and then, you know, also we have kind of a second puberty, which is known as perimenopause, mm -hmm. um, where women are still cycling for, you know, usually that's about five to 12 years. And then in menopause that stops. So I work specifically mostly with women in their twenties and thirties. Um, and I help them understand how their hormones are changing during this stage of life. So, you know, something really important to know about that is, you know, we talked, we touched a little bit earlier about how the, the menstrual cycle is this full month, sometimes longer, full body event. And a lot of women believe that it is either just their period or, you know, maybe they're thinking more about that family planning. And so they're thinking about um, their period and ovulation. But we actually have four different phases of our menstrual cycles, all of which are important and they have their own unique hormonal blueprint and purpose. Um, and this happens in, in a sequence, in a very specific sequence every single month. Um, and what I think your community would be really interested in knowing is that it starts in our brain. Mm. It doesn't even start in our uterus or in our ovaries. The very first domino <laughs> to fall in this, in this sequence of our cycle is from our pituitary gland mm. which is in our brain. So our hypothalamus, which is in our brain, tells our pituitary gland to release follicle-stimulating hormone. And follicle-stimulating hormone then communicates with the ovaries. And that's what causes estrogen to begin to rise. So that happens after the period, after the menstrual phase, in a part of the cycle known as the follicular phase. So in that follicular phase, estrogen begins to rise and estrogen is proliferative and it's growing. And, um, you know, I won't get into all the different details because <laughs> that's a bit overwhelming, but one of the things that estrogen does is stimulates dopamine and serotonin mm. and oxytocin, which are neurotransmitters in our brain. So this is like the time where we're like, whoa, <laughs> energy starts rising. Our mood starts rising. We tend to feel more extroverted, more collaborative. Mm -hmm. And as estrogen continues to rise, you know, that around ovulation, it lights up the communication centers of our brain. Mm. 
So it even changes the way that we communicate and the way that we respond to the world around us, especially in various kinds of relationships. I love this. So when I first started paying attention to hormones, it had to have been like three years ago. Um, I was looking into hormones for mental health purposes and I was working with a child who it was really clear. Like there is a cycle here. She was in, she began her period. She's a, a early teen, um, preteen. And she was like on a cycle of what her mental health breakdowns would look like. And it would be, it would be aggression and meltdowns, suicidal ideations, suicide attempts, like complete overwhelm in the home. And that would be like leading up to, it was, it was probably like a week and a half to two week time span though. So it was like leading up to, and during her cycle. And we knew, especially leading up to her cycle, that was like the time we'd have to change all the routines. But when I was doing this research, the whole reason why I brought this scenario up was I found this Ted talk of this lady who I think she was from Australia and she wears all red and she talks about the power of a period. And she broke the cycles down into seasons of life. So like spring and summer and fall and winter. Right. And so I started using that language. And when you're just like telling me right now about like the increase in estrogen, I'm like springtime, baby. Yes. Spring and summer. Yes. Yes. And that's like, I feel like any one of us, and it's a good way to talk to men about it too, because like my husband, I can say like, I'm in spring and summer, like life is good. Let's plan all of our vacations for spring and summer. Like all the things I want to plan all the things for spring and summer. And when it's fall and winter, I'm like, eh, like, yeah, I'm just going to be with myself right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think it's very helpful to have that language and to understand that this is a full body event. We would never, uh, we would never make fun of a woman or put a girl down by saying, Oh, your neurotransmitters are are making you depressed and are making you anxious and are causing you to have intrusive thoughts. You should just get over yourself. But instead, we say, "Oh, you're so hormonal." I know, you know, and it's so true. I mean, it's the same with women dealing with postpartum depression who have had this flood of hormones leave them. It it literally changes our brain chemistry. And so I think that the more that we can be aware of this, the more that we understand ourselves and we can be kinder to ourselves and to others. And that actually allows us to be braver with the rest of our lives. Yes. And it allows us to make empowered decisions. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about two things that you just kind of brought up. One, I, I want to talk about the postpartum season because that one I mean, my whole story, that one was hard. And I had to do hormone work myself during that season in order to heal. Um, But I also want to talk about like, when we are what society will say, like, oh, you're PMSing, you're just hormonal. That's typically our fall and winter time. And when I introduced you today, something that you pride yourself on is working around symptoms of PMS and helping, like, I had no idea that PMS didn't have to be a huge freaking factor in your life. And I've just found relief from PMS probably in the past three months. (laughs) 
<laughs> so very new, right? But that's, that's not common knowledge. We are taught when our period comes by society that so will these huge, painful, emotionally painful, physically painful cycles will come for about a week or a week and a half of our, our month, which is just like, <laughs> wait, you're telling a 12 year old this, right? And we like embed that in our brain. So educate us a little bit, starting with like, the fall and winter. So the, the seasons where we have this drastic shift, the, the estrogens going down, we're getting ready to release that egg, right? Like, what yeah. Happens? So I'll, I'll kind of go back and I'll pick up on, you know, where I was explaining the hormonal activity. So when estrogen peaks, it sends a signal back to the pituitary gland to release a hormone called luteinizing hormone. If a woman takes an ovulation predictor kit, um, then th she is testing for an LH or a luteinizing hormone surge in her urine. Um, and that is what causes an egg to mature and to be released. And that is when ovulation happens. Mm. Now the follicle that that egg, egg came out of becomes its own temporary organ known as the corpus luteum. So wow. after <laughs> yes, we, we are so cool that we make our own temporary organ every single month, every single cycle that is so important and is what is responsible for the rise of progesterone. So after ovulation, estrogen lowers and thanks to this corpus luteum, that was the follicle that that egg was in becomes the corpus luteum and releases progesterone. And progesterone is kind of the yin to estrogen's yang. So estrogen was outgoing. Estrogen was bold and stress could roll off her back <laughs> like water on a duck. And progesterone is more introverted and detail-oriented and anti-stress. And she wants and craves calm. Mm. And especially for teenagers who are now shifting from hormones that only go with the circadian rhythm to now hormones that change four times throughout the month, this is really, really difficult. We weren't taught about this in school, but it essentially means that the way that we act and the way that we treat ourselves, the way that we move through the world should ideally change because progesterone wants, wants something different from us and has a different energy and being anti-stress and being calm, um, and being detail oriented. Those are superpowers, They are. <laughs> but in a world that tells us that the only way to be successful is to go, go, go. She becomes highly, highly undervalued and it scares a lot of women. And that forces us to feel like we have to fit in a box. Like I was going through this with like creating my own business, right? Like I felt like I had to be on, on, on. And until I allowed myself and gave myself permission to follow my phases, right? Follow when I have the energy and the excitement to do the big outgoing things. And then the times where I'm like, maybe this is going to be a day where I'm in my jammies, like just brainstorming, right? But yes. allowing myself that. And if I didn't, I was like strung out on stress. Like the, it like has an opposite effect, right? You want to be anti-stress when you're in fall and your progesterone is higher 
but then you're forcing yourself into a box and it kind of, you just kind of explode. Like you can be unhinged. Progesterone has so many amazing benefits. Progesterone promotes the neurotransmitter GABA, which is very calming, promotes a restful night's sleep, very relaxing. Um, Progesterone is also a natural diuretic, fights bloating. Progesterone is also which is crazy because you're bloated at that stage. Like, wait a second. So many women deal with that, and I think a very large contributing factor. The number one reason is because of the amount of stress women put on themselves. So they don't give progesterone a chance to really, to really shine for the gifts that she wants to give us. Um, But if we learn to work in the flow of our cycle, if we learn to listen to our bodies, become body literate, understand what our hormones are doing, and then apply our actions to that. Then we get to co-work with these awesome little messengers that are trying to move things along in our body and in our life more smoothly and more in harmony. Wow. So you just kind of blew my mind for a second there. Like, <laughs> We think, so I've been thinking of hormones as a direct indicator of basically if we're not listening to our hormones, our mental health can decline, right? But I'm going to bring this into a woman's stance versus a man's stance on how you live your life and being a woman in a man's world, right? And living up to expectation in a man, expectations of a man's world, we're setting ourselves up to backfire. Like we are setting ourselves up to have more mental health struggles because we're not listening to what our hormones are telling us we need to be doing. And instead we're an exact friction of it, right? Mm -hmm. And that, I think of that even in the postpartum season. So there's the art of laying in, in the postpartum season, which is not talked about enough. There's something called the fourth trimester in the postpartum season, which is not talked about enough, but it's a time in the season where we're supposed to be able to retreat, lay in, connect, nurture, bond with our baby without all these extra factors that come into play. But society tells us after we have our baby that it's time to show our baby off. Right. Society tells us I'm bounce have, back. Yeah. I'm bounce back. back. <laughs> Look like that stupid phrase bounce back. Like I am a whole new woman. now, right? Yeah. Like I'm not meant to fit in the shell of who I was prior to, to getting pregnant. I am blossoming into the next me. Right. But society doesn't honor that. And we have to literally bounce back physically, bounce back emotionally, bounce back intelligently. I remember going back to work and I stepped into a director position after I I had my baby and I was like, my brain's gone. Like part of my brain is gone. I can't access it. Like literally I couldn't even figure out how to function a two button machine for a breast pump. Like well, when after, you know, during and after pregnancy, your brain really does change. You actually shed neural connections that you weren't using by the thousands and form new ones for the purpose of rewiring your brain as a caregiver for your child. Can you just say that one more time? Like, let's honor the mom brain for real. One more time. Can you say it? Yes. So estrogen and progesterone work with your brain and 
you have more estrogen and progesterone during pregnancy than you would any other time of your life combined. And this is working together to shed old neuro connections that you weren't using, that weren't serving you and to form new ones for the purpose of being a mother and being a caregiver to your child. It literally changes you on a brain level. That is, it's, it's not because you're crazy. It's not because you're losing your mind and it's, you know, it's not just because of the lack of sleep and changes like that. It is literally changing you on a chemical level. And that's amazing. That's beautiful. Moms, moms are so badass. I hope I can say that. <laughs> but it is, it's the coolest thing I shared with you. Um, the last time we talked that I, I saw this beautiful quote and it said, um, you know, I waited nine months to meet this new person and nobody told me the new person I was meeting wasn't just my baby. It was me. Mm. And again, I, I don't have human babies yet, <laughs> just <talk one. laughs> but I mean, it literally makes me tear up thinking mm. about that because it's, it's so true. Um, it is literally miraculous what what happens between between mother and baby and it's beautiful when we have the awareness of it to allow ourselves to see it through that lens like I wish I had that quote prior to going through my postpartum season or even in my postpartum season I remember being about I think I was about six months into motherhood and I was back to work getting in the groove of things and I found a research article because I was like, I'm, I'm losing it. Like I have to show up and do really big things at work. And I, I don't feel like my brain's capable of doing that all the time. And I found this research article that shared with me, like the structure of your brain has changed since becoming a mom. And just finally at six months into it, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Like, it's not me, but knowledge is power. Just knowing that took, took so much pressure off myself. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a beautiful thing to understand. So in the postpartum season as well, like you talked about the huge change of hormones, right? So you give birth and how I've always thought of it, and maybe my timeline isn't going to match up to yours. So I'd love to be educated by you, but so you give birth and then for the next six weeks, your body is going through massive changes and that six week marker, they kind of give you in, in the terms of mental health, they give you like a six week time frame of saying, okay, any mental health struggles or emotions that you feel are probably more like baby blues during this time. Right. And then after the six weeks, you can expect to transition back to normal, but there's a very large percentage of us that don't. Right. And then if you don't at that point, then they start talking about postpartum diet diagnoses, right? Which all that feels to me, um, when you look through a lens of a diagnosis, you feel, you don't, you feel broken in a way, right? You don't feel like, man, you feel like something's wrong with you. Right. And so you get this label that goes into postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, whatever kind of struggle you're having. And then if it hits the year mark and you've had it for a year and you have those like experiences for a year, then you just drop the postpartum and it's like, that's just a way of life now. Now you just have this. Yeah. And that can be 
that timeline, it can be liberating to have the knowledge of, but it can also feel like, like a sentencing, right. For your life. And so can you educate us from a hormonal perspective, what's going on? And, um, maybe even like, let's apply that bounce back craziness to this discussion too, of like, we're changing forever. Yeah. So postpartum, you know, you are experiencing a big drop, especially in estrogen, which as we've touched on a little bit is so connected to our serotonin levels and our dopamine. And, um, so that can bring a huge drop in mood very quickly over, you know, those six weeks. Um, but then, you know, you also have a suppression of your cycle for, again, that, that length and time varies, but particularly if you're breastfeeding, the prolactin is suppressing, um, FSH so that your, your cycle essentially stays offline. So it's favoring one hormone over another for the purpose of breastfeeding and being able to nourish your baby, which means you're not getting that same lift in elevated estrogen again, um, or that same lift to say, um, you know, with, you're not getting then the significant amounts of progesterone to say, help get more of a restful night's sleep sometimes, or, you know, that kind of thing. You're just, the levels of estrogen and progesterone are going to be a lot lower as long as you are not having that cycle. So let me just ask a clarifying question. When you're breastfeeding, because your body needs to continue to produce the milk, right? Mm -hmm. You're suppressing, your body is naturally suppressing hormones to keep that up so that you don't start your cycle. Cause typically if you're breastfeeding, you're not having a period, right? Right. Exactly. Um, and that has to do with the fact that prolactin, the, the hormone that is associated with being able to lactate, Mm -hmm. um, comes from that same pituitary gland. Mm -hmm. And so it's essentially favoring that hormone and suppressing another. So for those of us who struggle with milk production, so my breastfeeding journey was really hard and I ended up exclusively pumping and my supply was just like, because there's the dopamine that you get from actually breastfeeding versus a pump (laughs) and uh, the the ability to let down. Right. So, um, let down meaning release milk. Um, so when you're, when your body is like trying to shut down the breastfeeding and then your brain is trying to increase like the breast milk supply, is that also messing with our hormones? You know, I am not going to be able to correctly give you an explanation on that. I can get one for you, Okay, but I don't (laughs) want to, I don't want to explain it incorrectly. So I I will, yeah, I will reach out and get some more clarity on that subject specifically. So then I can, I can share that with you. Most moms go through a phase of struggling with their supply. So I'd be so curious if our body's like ready to slow down and we're like, no, 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 no. Cause my expectation. I think there can also be multiple factors that play there. Of course. Yeah. So that can be a tricky thing too, because for some women it's going to be their thyroid. Mm -hmm. 
you know, for other women, it's going to be needing more energy availability, needing more of a caloric surplus, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and for others, it could be something else. So I think it, you know, I think there's going to be so fascinating. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me know if you find out that info. I'd love. Yeah, I definitely will. Before we wrap up here, can you give us so I was listening, how I found you is because you were on Jacqueline Steele's podcast and, um, you said something in that podcast episode that I was like, ding, 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 ding. And I was like, the world needs to know this and everybody needs to talk about this. And we all need to share this as much as possible. But you were talking about the difference between a male and a woman's cycle and the energy that we have, how we manage our stress, like how we set up our days. And I would love if you could share a little bit more with us here around, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, that we are in a man's world and the expectations of being in a man's world and being able to slow down for ours. But a man's world was built from their own hormonal cycle. And I was like, wait, what? When you told, when you said that on the other podcast. And so I'd love if you can kind of go into that for us. Yeah, great question. So I'll, I'll share a little bit of my own, own story here too. So my dad was an endocrinologist. And so I grew up with hormones being a household topic, but I never wanted to practice medicine um, because I saw him working 80 hours a week for 20 years. And quite frankly, I thought this was super boring. (laughs) (laughs) And in my early twenties, um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. Mm. Um, and I found out a few years later that I had actually been suffering with PMDD. I just didn't know it for a long time because my PMS symptoms didn't always present like your stereotypical, like cramping a few days before your period, that kind of thing. And for the most part, you know, even getting, um, even getting a Hashimoto's and hypothyroid diagnosis was pretty difficult for me. I actually ended up having to go to my dad and have him call someone to like, get them to run the right labs because Mm. I was dismissed by two different doctors who, you know, I came in, I told them my symptoms and they said, Oh, well, do you have a period? And when I said, yes, they literally told me, oh, well, you have a period, so it can't be your thyroid, (laughs) which is not true at all. (laughs) But they basically refused to look into anything um, because in their opinion, I wasn't sick enough. Wow. And um, when I was finally diagnosed, I was so frustrated because I had been working out six days a week I had been eating quote unquote clean and doing all these different things that the diet and fitness industry told me I should do. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I knew that if this is what I'm doing, if I'm using all this typical health and fitness advice, then something is missing. Mm. Um, And I became really interested and really motivated then to start learning about my hormones and how they worked and how they affected my body in different ways. Because when you have a hormonal imbalance, you will have all these random symptoms that sometimes you don't even realize are connected. Because again, we're in that, we're in that mindset of this only affects us for a week. This only affects our reproductive system. We don't expect it to also affect 
our digestion, our mood, and then our skin, and, you know, all these different things that are actually really connected through, through our endocrine system. And that is really what piqued my curiosity. And I learned that the health and the diet and the fitness and even the productivity advice that we're being given is based pretty much exclusively on research on men. And women actually weren't, women in menstruating years weren't even included in health research studies until the 90s. That's so common. So much research excludes women. Let's just talk about that. There will be, there will be research articles where the title is literally, this was done on athletes. This was done on healthy subjects. This was done on individuals. And if you actually read who it was really done on, it was done on men. It was done on male college athletes. It was done on healthy males. It was done on males with this particular condition. And they're just wrapping it up, slapping a headline that implies that this applies to everyone when men and women have different hormonal cycles. So men have a daily hormonal cycle. They do have a hormonal cycle. They don't have, they don't have a period the way that, that women do. Um, but their hormones flow along with the circadian rhythm. So every single morning they wake up with peak levels of cortisol and testosterone. We also have high levels of cortisol in the morning, or we we're supposed to, um, sometimes because of hormonal imbalance, we don't, that's, you know, that's its own issue, but cortisol for both sexes does flow along with the circadian rhythm. Um, but their sex hormones, testosterone is peak in the morning and gradually tapers off throughout the day. And some of the testosterone is actually converted into estrogen. Mm. And then gradually throughout the day that tapers off. And then by the time it's nighttime, they have low levels of hormones and they go to sleep, assuming that they are taking care of their health and they're getting good rest and recovery. Then their hormones replenish overnight and the same thing happens day in and day out. Men can certainly experience challenges with that as well, um, but they get essentially the chance to reset daily. Whereas ours happens monthly, whereas we have that low hormone phase, which is our period. We're not so hormonal during that time. We're actually the least hormonal during that time. And we start to have that conversation between our brain and our ovaries as estrogen rises, our estrogen peaks at ovulation. It lowers the corpus luteum, raises our progesterone levels. That happens over the course of 10 to 18 days. It cracks and, me up. <laughs> and, then, and then we have that reset, which is our period, which is the menstrual phase. So, you know, they're on a clock and we're on a calendar. Yes. <laughs> and I love, I love that men can have that morning routine and can have that like a nine to five schedule where every single week and every single day they can, they can rinse and repeat. And it really works for them and compounds on itself. 
but we can also be consistent and follow our hormones too. And we don't have to measure, like, this is something I really had to do a shift in my brain of productivity doesn't have to be measured in a day. No, it would, it would be much more effective to look cycle over cycle or or compare your follicular phase in one month to your follicular phase in the next month, your luteal phase in one month to your luteal phase in the next month and, you know, so on. So even with like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about how productive a day is, whether you are a stay-at-home mom or you have a job with responsibilities at work with like deadlines, you, you have to be able to understand your body and the demands that we're putting on our body to what the outcome is going to be and what's going to be the most effective, right? Like, it's not always going to be, all right, I checked everything off on my to-do list today and I get a gold star and I feel proud of myself. It might be okay. Today's a day. If I look over my next two weeks at work and what I have to accomplish, I'm prioritizing these really big tasks that need to happen by this deadline on these specific days, because I know I'm going to knock it out of the park on these days, right? Like being able to fully shift, even how we plan our expectations for ourselves so that we're shifting what productivity actually looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, like as a woman that dealt with PMDD that has experienced thyroid disease, um, and also I have ADHD, I'm an entrepreneur with ADHD, and this is what has allowed me to be my best self Mm -hmm. and be able to make productivity work for me without feeling like a failure and what has allowed me to take care of my mental health and to increase my levels of focus. Mm -hmm. Um, and to do that in areas where the typical healthcare system failed me. And to hear somebody say who has had mental health diagnoses, right? Say that managing your hormones has been your route to having a healthy mind, right? To accomplish what you want to accomplish in life. That's beautiful. And I, I hope that is like a beacon out here for any parents listening who struggle with mental illness or who have children who struggle with mental illness. And that was like literally the whole intention of this episode. Um, but I got really excited about the postpartum thing. So maybe we'll have to talk again, Audrey, but being able to know that hormones play just a big, as big of a cycle for our kids in finding holistic ways to heal those hormones, right. Or balance those hormones rather than always looking at psychiatric medications, which don't balance your hormones. Well, I feel like those are kind of I, we, we don't really have time to get into it, but psychiatric medications can kind of plow through your cycle and jack you up even more rather than helping you understand what your body's saying and doing and responding accordingly. But yeah, so last thing before we end here today, I, I have to share this because I, I just laugh so much, but as a wife and a woman and an entrepreneur and a, a, a mom, Um, I'm somebody who will often try to fit myself into a day. And even though I have the knowledge now, and I've had the knowledge for 
a few months now, even though I have the knowledge that my schedule and my routine and my body and my cycle is different than my husband's. I try as I adapt to mine, I try to get my husband to adapt to mine. (laughs) And as I'm feeling against wanting to do mine, I'm like trying to adapt to my husband's right. Like, well, you had all this accomplished today. Like, why didn't I? And I just want to share like, that's human nature. We look around ourselves and we compare, or we try, like, if we're feeling amazing, we want to bring other people into it. And every single human being, male or female, 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 whoever you are, your cycles are going to present and look a little bit different from one another. And it's okay that your brain tells you like, all right, like I understand my teenage girl is feeling this way and I'm giving her grace, but I also have to have this expectation. It's okay to think like that and get curious at the same time, instead of fitting them into the box that works for you as a woman. Right. And I I share that because it's just human nature. It's just human nature to want to to adapt to the people around us or make them adapt to us. (laughs) But this is truly an individualized experience. And if this is sparking any curiosity in you, I'm going to put Audrey's information in the show notes so you can contact her. She's brilliant. I've heard her speak on a few different things. Her Instagram is a wealth of information and truly she is brilliant when it comes to hormones. So if this is sparking for like an interest for you or a family member, reach out to her in those show notes. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I've loved getting the chance to speak with you and to share this. And I am so excited for all the things you have coming up. Thank you so, so much for tuning in today. I hope you are feeling inspired and empowered in your own healing journey. I know that many of you listening might be reflecting on your own stories that you may feel called to share. If so, please reach out to me at Dina T at EmpowerToHeal.com. That's D-E-N-A-T at Empower, the number two, Heal.com. Or drop me a message through my Instagram handle at Empower, the number two, Heal. I would love to connect with you and learn about your journeys so that we can hopefully continue to spread these powerful life lessons on empowering ourselves to heal. My contacts will also be linked in the show notes below so that you can easily find me. We are so eager to start a movement in showcasing the many ways we can heal. And you can be part of this movement too by capturing images and tagging them hashtag empower the number two heal on Instagram. We look forward to seeing all the ways that you are empowered to heal. I love you beautiful souls and thank you so, so much. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and review. Thank you.